Hey, you're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about the intersection of faith and politics. This is an incredibly hot topic because it's 2020, so we're going to jump right into it. Take two. Let's get started. Episode three, take two. We um, <laughs> we did this yesterday. I don't necessarily think that it was bad, but I think that maybe we thought we could potentially do things a little bit differently. And so here we are again. Yeah, that's right. So this is episode uh, 3.1. Right. And um, I think it's going to go well. I'm excited. I'm ready to take off the filter and let's go for it. Take off the filter. Right. I didn't even know we had one on, so this is going to be good, I guess. So politics and the intersection of faith and politics, and that's there's that that encompasses a whole lot of things. I mean, it does. There's no way we can exhaust this topic. I think we were talking about uh, earlier that we could do a whole season on oh, just yeah. this topic, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and we're not going to do that, so don't worry. No, but um, I think it'll be fun to wade into these turbulent waters, mm-hmm. especially right now, you know, in election season, yeah. you know, a month away from the presidential election. Um, you know, people, I don't think, don't, people are political uh, animals. This mm-hmm. country is, uh, you know, we're embroiled in a, in a, battle right now and i don't think that goes away when you walk into church no you know you'd like to think that it does and we Mm -hmm. could talk about how it does but it doesn't well i I think you bring up i mean i mean immediately you bring up an interesting point because i think that's not just for politics i think when people come into the church in the the building when people go into the building and we, we have quote church time it, um, worship time, whatever you want to call that. I, I think that it's like I, we become different people. Yeah. Well, even our language changes, yeah. right? Like you, you slip into so easily into like this church jargon mm-hmm. because, you know, depending on how long you've been, you know, both of us having sort of grown up in the church, mm-hmm. you slip into this language and, and you hear it, I think, the most when like people come up to pray. Oh, yeah. And they start talking in ways that you would never hear people talk like in the real world. Heavenly Father, I come humbly before you right now. And like, I don't know, never talk, I don't talk like that ever in real life. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and I, and I understand it, but uh, that's not how I would... I don't know. No, so there's something that happens. There's something that potentially happens to us when we walk in the door, and that is like we shift into church mode, right? Yeah. And so it's a really good point that we're not, even though we're talking about politics today, mm-hmm. we could be talking about a number of different aspects of culture sure. and society and life. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things maybe we're trying to do with this, you know, drawing the line podcast is to we talked about drawing some lines and erasing some lines i think those are some lines that are are maybe unhelpful mm-hmm. for us when we have our you know outside of church who we are mm-hmm. you know politically socially our our lives and then who are we inside the church or how do people see us so i hope that's what we're able to do today to a certain extent is to open some of that up and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about our backgrounds and yeah. what sort of drives us um, in terms of faith and politics and how those things uh, work alongside each other or how those things sort of crash into each other. Yeah. No, and, and, and I also, I also want to say that, you know, for me personally, I'm not trying to sway anyone one way or the other to vote a specific way in during this podcast. There is no you should vote for this person, you should stay away from these, you know, from 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 this party or whatever. That that's that's not the the purpose of this. The purpose of this is is really to to make an attempt to figure out where, you know, Christians have have drawn lines politically. And if, you know, we've, you know, if we're crossing them or, or if we are, you know, breaking bridges or, you know, losing relationships over these lines that we've drawn and, and how can we change those to where, you know, we're, we're building relationships and we are, you know, finding way to create bridges so that more relationships can be built with, can be built within the church community and, and just with each other. Right. I think that's important. And that's the, that's hopefully what we can get across. 
And so oh, I guess a question that I want to start with is the idea of politics and, and what we mean when we say politics. And Brad, I think you, you're going to be able to do a better job of explaining what that means. So when when we're talking about politics, what are we trying to say? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when, when we're thinking about politics right now, we're thinking about the, the commercials that we're getting bombarded with. Yeah. We think about red states versus blue states. You know, we think about Supreme Court justices and we think we think about all these. We think about campaign finance. We think about. But if we go back to sort of where this concept came from, you know, the word itself, the word uh, uh, politica or uh, politique, the, the French politica from the Greek, it really has to do with uh, with people. It comes from um, the polis, which means city, uh, politicos, the, the citizen. So it's like the, the, the citizens, the people of the city, and it, it has to do with how we organized our shared lives together. Mm-hmm. So politics is the way in which we decide to uh, to organize, to 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 make rules, to to uh, live in such a way that that the city can serve people. Right. So I think you know there is a there's a noble impulse with politics, and politics, you know, while it may be seen as a dirty word, it's absolutely necessary. You may not want to call it politics. Maybe we should start saying uh, it's the way that we organize our shared lives together. That sounds a lot nicer than calling it politics, right? It does, yeah. Uh, Way, way better. But that's what it is. Now, can it get, uh, you know, is there abuse is, um, you know, can it get uh, infiltrated with greed and, and just power hungry people? Yeah, a- absolutely. But let's not forget that there is a need, just like within a church, just like church, churches have our organizations and they, and they organize in order to hopefully to help more people. Right mm-hmm. to distribute resources, yeah. um, to help people that that at its best, that's what politics does. So I think that's, you know, what we're that may not be where we end up when we're talking about politics, but maybe that's a, a starting place that doesn't have to necessarily be a bad word. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and 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 in that, yes, that is the actual. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to get across. We also understand that sometimes perception is just reality, and that's where people are going to be at, and. That doesn't necessarily make it okay or even make it right, um, but sometimes you just got to meet people where they're at, and in, instead of maybe forcing yourself or forcing your own opinions or ideology into something that you know, like a like a square peg into a round hole, you know, right. and um, you got to be careful of that because, as you were saying, it's you know how 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 we you know organize our shared lives together, and um, as a community. Uh, you know, we need to be careful because as I'm trying to share, you know, in, in my life or with, you know, me and my wife, you know, we live in a neighborhood, right? And, and if we were to have massive floodlights that, that, you know, that shine right into my neighbor's window that, you know, and it came on at two in the morning, guarantee you we're going to hear about it, right? They're going to come to us and say, Hey, this is like, it's keeping us up. We don't really like it. And I could respond with get over it this is what I want. This is how I feel. And this is what I think is necessary. And I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care if it keeps you up at night. And and I could go that way or I could say, Hey, I'm really sorry. Let me try something different. Um, and I think that viewpoint can, can easily or should be, you know, how we view, you know, this whole, you know, political idea, because hopefully that's how we view the way the church is. Hopefully that's how we view the way us as Christians are making an attempt to build relationships with other people. And I think that's where a good intersection is. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm taking it too far. I don't know. Well, so one of the things that I think has happened with politics, unfortunately, and with, you know, we have a two-party system in this country, is that people's political identity has become essentially their primary identity. Yeah. Uh, you know, over and above any other way of, of organizing or identifying themselves, it becomes uh, the most important thing about them. And and it, it becomes the most important thing about somebody else too, to where the, the second you identify somebody else as a member 
of a certain political party, mm-hmm. you dismiss them, yeah. right? You, you, you marginalize them, you dismiss them. They're, you, you know, we've talked about, we've talked before on, on, on the first couple of podcasts about uh, us all being image bearers of God and us all having equal value uh, to God. So something that comes in there and, and essentially disagrees with that mm-hmm. and says, no, this person, because they follow this political philosophy, because they have this bumper sticker on their car, right. I'm going to treat them like they are not. Mm. They do not have the same value or intrinsic worth uh, right. that I do or that people of my tribe do. Gets us back to this mm-hmm. tribalistic uh, outlook. Yeah, and I mean, and I understand that, that you know, people are going to have different values or, or maybe different stances when it comes to their political leanings. And, and so from there, how can we take, okay, let's say you and me, just for instance, you know, let's say that at some point we come to some, we're, we're both talking about our political ideologies, right? And, and you're like, well, you know, I, in my priority list of, you know, political stances, you know, there is social injustice at the top. And for me, you know, we're going to say, I don't know, let's just go with the normal one here that most people get into. And that's, you know, anti-abortion or anti-abortion. That's my, that's the true stances. Right. And so, um, how can two, two Christians, right. That how can they come together in harmony who, you know, both feel certain ways about those things how can we come together in harmony over, you know, political differences? Yeah. So I think the maybe the very first thing, we almost have to walk it back for a second to what I was saying about identity. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to start by not labeling people based on their views. So mm-hmm. if somebody has a view that happens to, happens to align with a certain political party, mm-hmm. that then either discounting them or discounting what they say because that view happens to align with a particular political party. I don't think that is a, a Christian practice, sure. right? Yeah. So here, let, let's let's go. Let me sort of back up into a little bit of my background and maybe like my childhood, my formation, just so you know you can understand where I'm coming from, yeah. and I, you know, guess the folks listening can understand where I'm coming from too. I mean, I grew up in a conservative church environment where, I mean, there wasn't really any. It, it there wasn't a whole lot of political speech. Because there was this just underlying assumption that everybody was a good Republican, right? That they that they were, and and so that it didn't even need to be said, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I mean for the life of me I can barely remember um, a, a time I certainly never heard anything you know from the pulpit or from a Bible school class from a teacher or from anybody else that ever really challenged that. Mm -hmm. And so what I think ended up happening, at least for me, ideologically over time, is that in sort of the the Venn diagram of of Christian ideals and you know Republican political ideals, they 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 sort of they overlapped like a hundred percent. There was no daylight. And I think I'm probably not alone. Mm-hmm. And having grown up that way, um, and uh, I, I, I would say, and then you know, personally, just to go a step further, personally, you know, I was a very political animal. I mean, I was all about uh, you know campaigning within my school for you know my you know whether it was you know uh, Ronald Reagan or George Bush uh, Senior or George Bush or whoever was running you know on the Republican side. I ended up working. Um, in the in the Virginia State Assembly for a state senator um, who was the uh, the majority whip and worked for several years um, in, in the state legislature and I got to see like like the sausage being made on the inside of what you know, what politics was like what what re- Republicans and Democrats and um, you know conservative Republicans and moderate Republicans and liberal Democrats and conservative Democrats so I got to see all that up I, I, I ran politics political campaigns. So I, I was, um, you know, I, that, that was part of me and, and going to church, you know, mm-hmm. the, the entire time with that. And like I said, there was a, there was a, an overlap, yeah. um, 
for a lot of my life. But I will tell you, you know, without giving you my entire life story, that all that really started to change for me, you know, about 15 or 20 years ago, um, you know, probably around the time, you know, j- just, you know, after, uh, you know, working uh, in the state capitol and, and, and going to law school, you know, meeting, uh, honestly, it was meeting other Christians uh, for whom they did have different perspectives mm-hmm. on, um, on politics and on issues. And here's the thing that sort of broke it wide open for me. I realized that w- what I had done unconsciously or subconsciously right. is I had started to just assume that everything that came, the, the narrative that came out of, of the, you know, the conservative political movement, because that's where, you know, that's where focus on the family was. That's where all of the conservative, th- it was, it was, it was yeah. very, very clear where they lined up that everything that came politically from the Republican side of the fence must be consistent with scripture. Right. It just must be, right? Yeah. Because when I grew up, I mean, yeah. I didn't know any Democrats who went to my church. Right. But what I started to find is I started to find, well, wait a second, there's a whole host of other issues out there. And there's a whole host of Christians who take the scripture very seriously, who take God very seriously. And yet they see that in, in this other political party, the Democratic Party, that there is emphasis placed in these other areas where, um, you know, I started to look at the Republican side and I said, well, wait a second here. This, the, I, I'm seeing, you know, what, what, you know, okay, so how people are treated in terms of, of uh, you know, whether it's, it's the, the poor, um, the, the marginalized, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wh- whether it's uh, immigrants or whether you're talking about health care or whether you're talking, all of these different um a mass incarceration, all of these different issues, you, you start to look at them and you start to say, well, wait a second, maybe there's act, it is possible to have another perspective that put, gives you, gives you a view that is not a, a mainline view of the typical uh, Republican uh, evangelical Christian view. So I know that's very long winded, but I wanted to say all that just to say for me, um, you know, there was a tectonic shift in my thinking that happened over the course of another, uh, a number of years, but I I can see how perhaps for many people, they may not have ever undergone such a shift because, um, you know, it, they've only seen things in in a certain way. And I, and I guess I know that because Whereas when I grew up, and like I said, when I grew up, there wasn't really much talked about in terms of politics. Right. It was just kind of assumed. Now, what I have experienced as the country has become more politically polarized is I've experienced more conversations with Christians, yeah. more conversations in church where it's not a it's not an underlying assumption it is an overt and it is a spoken assumption that you behave and believe and would vote politically in a certain way and that's what i really would like for us to talk about sort of the health of that and what impact that has on people that have differing views on just like you talked about on maybe this list of issues and this list of issues how what impact does that have on christians who don't necessarily agree on these underlying issues yeah um Brad, do you like Miracle Whip? I know it's a random question, but do you like Miracle Whip? I like it a heck of a lot more than mayo. Okay. Right? I well, would I would choose Miracle Whip uh, over mayo. All right. Well, this is great. That's fantastic because I cannot stand it. I think it is potentially the worst thing that has ever existed. It's salad dressing, it's, which doesn't seem a little like false advertising. Right. Really what it should be called by its true name, it's just disgusting. Um, I... I can't stand Miracle Whip. Okay, I have never enjoyed it ever. And the first time I ever remember having Miracle Whip was on accident because it was on a sandwich at a friend's house. And I thought it was mayonnaise. The mom mom made the sandwiches <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, here's here's some sandwiches and it's got, you know, whatever on it." And I was like, "Okay, sweet." And I bit into it and I was like, "This this is gross. Man, I knew we were going to disagree. It's finally, finally happened. Finally. Good. And I'm glad it's over Miracle Whip. 
because that will tear this country apart. Um, <laughs> but I have a point. I promise I have a point. I remember looking at that friend and it's just, he's eating a sandwich. And he's like, this is so good. And I'm like, you're insane. There's something wrong with like, you, buddy. You are absolutely Your nuts. wires are crossed. You have got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. And and like I turned to the mom. I mean, I knew this family really well. I'd been to their house really a lot of times, like several times. Never had a sandwich. Thank the Lord up until that point. And I was like, "What is on this? What what is this? This is not this is not very good." And the mom was like, "Oh, it's Miracle Whip." And I was like, "What what is that?" She goes, "Oh, it's it's kind of like mayonnaise." I was like, "No, it's not. It's not anything like mayonnaise. Mayonnaise tastes good." And and what's so funny is that from then on. I never wanted lunch at their house. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> never. On the off chance that, that Miracle Whip was going to be yeah, a part of it. Absolutely. Never. And, and and I know that like if I would have gone to their house and she would have made sandwiches, she would have not put Miracle Whip on it. It would have been fine, right? right? But as like a nine or 10-year-old kid, I'm like, no, I'm good. We're just not even going to risk it because Miracle Whip is from the devil, just like tomatoes. Right. And and so I'm probably losing like listeners as I'm saying all these right. things. Oh, miracle with Basher. Uh, <laughs> um, it has miracle in the name. But, Come on. But I mean, it's man. I growing up, and I'm I'm if I'm being really really honest, I am not the most political human being of all time. Don't get me wrong. I keep up with it. I have my values. I have things that I'm that I that I would think I'm I'm pretty stern on. Um, and but I'm not one that if I see an argument politically on Facebook, I'm not a keyboard warrior. I'm not getting into sure. that. It's not my thing. Um, well, I think that that's maybe something different. I mean, hopefully you, you know, people can be political animals, but exercise some discretion and right, not wade right. into that craziness. Yeah. No, but I, but I hear you because I was, I was the opposite. You know, at, I was up at five or six in the morning when I was in the sixth grade, watching the news, mm -hmm. calling into news shows. I was a crazy political animal. Um, so that's good to know that, yeah. that it was me that was weird. Yeah, right. Definitely. Um, but We'll talk about that later, I guess. Um, no, but and and so back to Miracle Whip for a second. I, I I look at the way I viewed Miracle Whip as like a ten year old kid is the way Republicans look at Democrats and vice versa. Yeah, it's like how in the world could you ever think that social injustice is more important than abortion? Or vice versa, right? Or I can't believe that you would just allow all of these illegal immigrants into our country for whatever reason and just, you know, give them all this money and blah, blah, blah. And th and those are people that are speaking, I think, sometimes a little ignorant and not understanding the whole idea. Sure. But, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. I mean, like, well, I Well, that's part of what happens is when you when you disagree, when you start from a place of, of identity where you identify with a party, mm -hmm. then when you view somebody else, it's a complete characterization you know, you, you're not looking at the issue objectively. Mm -hmm. You're, you're starting from the presupposition that you're going to disagree yeah. as opposed to the fact of uh, uh, starting from, Oh, maybe we might actually have commonality here in what we think. Right. And what's so funny is that I never wanted to go to their house for lunch, but his mom also made like the best salsa of all time. And I always wanted to go to their house for dinner because she had chips and salsa all the time. And I couldn't wait for that. And their family was like really being the whole chips and salsa and the Hispanic food kind of thing. And like she had on a regular basis and was always worried about Miracle Whip on a sandwich. But I knew that we all love chips and salsa. And I know that we're getting into food, right? And, and, and I know that this and I know that this sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I think that people are ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I think people get so caught up in in things that, quite frankly, I don't think matter that that I maybe maybe that's. Maybe that's too strong, and maybe that's not the right wording, but... Maybe it's not worth... I mean, certainly, if, if it's Miracle Whip, right, it's not worth losing your friend or losing out on the time together, right? right. I mean, we would we would recognize that as being ridiculous. Right. But, I, but I think that if, if we take a moment and maybe blasphemously think about how God might look at how we might divide ourselves into these two different parties... Absolutely. And how, it's like it's he's looking at it like you guys are arguing over Miracle Whip. And he's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because if I'm being honest, the president of the United States does not affect the kingdom of God. And, and maybe that's a bold statement, but like the kingdom of God is eternal. And, 
and it's something that will be there regardless of whoever the president is. Right. And if if the president of the United States affects your relationship with God that much, your political priority is way too high on the list. Right. And and let's be even broader. So if the if the president of the United States if if your political party makes it more difficult for you to connect with other other Christians, other mm-hmm. human beings, if if somehow that that creates a barrier for you. Yeah. Um, there, there's an issue. I do think there's there's one thing I, I want to make sure we we don't do because I was thinking you know I was thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about John the Baptist, particularly John the Baptist. I mean, think about it. Both of those gentlemen, Jesus and his cousin, were both executed by the political powers of that day. Right. I mean, and if you think about John, why was he even in prison? It's because he took a look at the leader at King Herod you know, who was kind of a puppet king underneath Caesar and Pilate and the Roman authority, you know, a a Jewish king. But he was like, look, you, and and he said this, you know, this is before the 24-hour news cycle and he didn't have Twitter to, you know, to bang it out. But he was just like, look, the way you're living is totally immoral. Right. Right. Like you're just, you're living in a way that this isn't a good example for anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And that ends up getting him in prison and then killed. So, I mean, we have, and then and then Jesus, you know, it's it was the it was the world superpower of that day, right? It was the the Roman Empire had all the military might. Yeah. Um, you know, they were the United States, the equivalent of the United States sure. back then. And and Jesus was executed mm-hmm. under the authority of that political power. Yeah. So, you know, when I. I don't know that that Christians, you know, one of the questions I think we're trying to address here is what role should politics play yeah. um, in our faith, or said the other, what way should role should faith play in our politics? I guess maybe sometimes what we need to do is hopefully let the political filters just fall to the ground and see something for what it is. So like if we see a politician, and I don't care if it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or, or any any politician, or Mike Pence or Chuck Schumer. Shady if, Scott Taylor. If it's any... I saw that. That's, that's, a, that's a commercial, by the way. I just r- see it all the time. Right, yeah. Or actress yeah. Elaine Loria, right? <laughs> that's, the lo- that's the local congressional race we're dealing with right here with, with the lovely commercials we're getting hit with every right. five minutes. Ugh. But whoever it is, wh- whoever the person is, I mean, when somebody speaks mm-hmm. and they speak in such a way about other people, to other people, the things they say, the things they do, when those things are not reflective of the way, let's say for our children, right? We, we, I'm, I'm raising two teenage boys. When I'm watching a debate, that was what the debate was the oh, other night, man. right? Yeah. When you're watching something like that, I think Christians should hopefully allow the filter to just kind of fall to the ground mm-hmm. And just call things out for what they are yeah. when, when the behavior is is not treating other human beings. Like if if I'm talking about, um, you know, if I'm talking about my, my son who died, right, who died of brain cancer, right? right? And in the middle of, of talking about my son who died of brain cancer, if you then say, what, what, what are you talking about? Uh, what, what's, I don't know about him. What about your, what about your cocaine addicted son? Right. Right. Like, I mean, I think we can just look at that and we can say, okay, that is not an appropriate, forget about political filters. Mm -hmm. That is not an appropriate way to treat another human being. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we're scared to do things like that or whether it's, or whether it's, it's immigration or whether it's, you know, racial justice issues, whatever it is, I think many times connected with our faith and in church, we're scared that just by bringing up an issue, we're going to be branded and then everybody's going to cut us off. Mm -hmm. Just like it's possible that people even listening to me say issues like racial injustice or illegal immigration or, or, or things like that. If I say things like that, then some people's it's like, Oh, okay. That sounds like Democrat speak. I'm not listening to anything else you say. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, 
it wouldn't it be wonderful if the church could be a place where we actually did elevate the importance of people and human beings and how we treat them like the scripture tells us to yeah. as opposed to elevating you know what a political party says should be an important issue or what our position should be on any given issue what i always thought what i thought was so interesting was the debate may have been the most unified i've ever seen my facebook feed like maybe ever like literally nothing but wow how embarrassing that was awful yeah i can't believe that. i mean just just consistently just and it and it was for on both sides right it was right. just like that was awful just basically and that was it you know just consistently saw that over and over and over again and i just thought it was ironic that a debate was so unifying but 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 back to your 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 point of maybe what i would want the church to be yeah and or or okay i'll say yeah i'll say i'll say the church but i'm going to when i say the church i am talking about your quote church time specifically all yeah. right and 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 that's whatever Sunday morning, nine o'clock, what Wednesday night, Sunday evening, whatever, right? And I'm not saying that like that that like you can't have church time in like a small group or when like kind of like what we're doing right now, right? Right. But I, I want to focus in on our quote worship times because that's when most of the people are there, right? And these issues, seemingly growing up in the church, you know, like my dad has been a minister my whole life. So I have been in a church building probably more than I have been in any other building in my entire lifetime. And, you know, so I can say, you know, I, I think, um, you know, positively, you know, for myself that this kind of stuff just wasn't ever discussed. Or, or if it was, it was, you know, in a whisper in, you know, the the far left section uh, of the pews where people right. are whispering, you know, like, oh my gosh, did you hear about that? Like people are just whispering about it, but they sure, can't, you know, sure. so, but I, I'm, I, that's so frustrating to me because if you can't be who you really are, you know, when you're with, you know, your church family, then the church is doing something wrong. And if you can't be open and honest, and if you can't have, you know, if you can't feel regular conversation or, or, or just be you, then we got to figure something out and hasn't really social media. And I guess maybe Facebook in particular kind of blown that all wide open Yeah, because now, um, even though may, I'm not saying that that's exactly the same, that that was your experience that you just described is very similar to my experience growing up. Because like I said, there was sort of this unstated political assumption. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe now it's different. It's different to a degree. But outside of church, man, you find out uh, very quickly what people's uh, political opinions are. Because a, a lot of times, you know, maybe sometimes it's their personal views. But a lot of times they're just, you know, resharing or retweeting or, yeah. or, or stuff that is so polemic, right? Mm -hmm. By polemic, I just mean it, it's so divisive and it's, it, it always uh, paints one side as good and the other side is evil. That is always the way it ends up coming across. Yeah. So then what ends up happening, I mean, let's just be real here, is that you're looking through your feed and maybe these are your fellow church members, and maybe these are people you know. You know, they would do anything to, to help someone else. I mean, you, you've seen them do that, but then you see them post the most vitriolic, hateful stuff yeah. because it's in service of this greater, you know, political cause. And it, to me, it just, it, it makes me sick. It makes me, and then I don't know what to do. Like you said, you know, I, I don't really feel like me getting into some social media war makes a lot of sense. I know there are people I know who I really respect. If they're listening now, they, they're probably recognizing this, that will reach out to those folks privately. Mm -hmm. And they will say, hey, look, you know, not, not in front of everybody, not for all right. 10,000 of your friends to see on Facebook, but reach out and say, hey, look, you know, I, I saw you, you posted this thing and, you know, it really kind of struck me as being pretty hateful, mm -hmm. you know, talk, talk to me about that. What's, you know, what, what's driving that? Do you, do you think that's the best thing? I mean, they, they'll try to, you know, humbly and, and, and graciously immerse and mercifully approach. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, 
you know, may, maybe sometimes there's some success, but from what I've heard, you know, that that's not been very successful. Right. So my point is just this, is that we're now living in a different time. Yeah. We're living in a different time where I think people feel more freedom to voice things on social media and they feel like there will not be repercussions. Mm -hmm. And so maybe what you're, I mean, tell me if I'm hearing you wrong, but you're saying, gosh, I wish we had uh, like a forum or a venue that is that that's part of the church where we could be more honest yeah. instead of hey let's just pretend here and then we'll go back to social media back into our corners you're mm -hmm. in that corner and I'm in this corner and then we'll lob grenades at each other yeah. politically and then come back and act like nothing's wrong yeah. on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever right and and i think that's that's so wrong the the idea of I'm one person here and I'm another person somewhere else or on social media. And then when we get in person that it's, and I, I feel like that's just, you're, you're living different lives, lives, or I don't know, essentially lying. Well, um, li living different lies works too. Right. <laughs> well, that's fair. Right. And, but you said something earlier about, you know, it's this, you know, good versus evil. Yes. And man, that's so accurate because it's, I think politics at times becomes and us versus them mentality. And, you know, I, I think as Christians, that's never a mentality we should ever have. I don't think right. unless we're specifically talking about like Satan. Right. But like, even then, I mean, even Paul is like, look, it, our struggles, not against flesh and yeah, blood. Like absolutely. it's not, it's not against people. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing us and them and the them's people, right. That's not right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I mentioned it in the podcast last week, Philippians 2. You got to value others above yourself. And that doesn't just pertain to, you know, any one particular matter. That is across the board all the time. Yeah. And and so that doesn't mean that you can't have things that you stand for and that you can, you know, be planted in. But what that does mean is that you need to be respectful. What that does mean is that at all times you need to be seeking a Christ-like relationship with as many people as possible. I was talking to my dad today, and he is a minister um, at a church in Alabama. And so that is a a very, very red state, right? right. Am I getting my colors right? Yeah, it's yes. a very red state. And... Um, and so he's been sort of talking about politics-ish with some of his elders. And um, so I, was, I brought this up. I figured, hey, why not ask some questions? And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, he, you know, he says that, that he has dealt with is people are just like, why don't you just ignore it? Why, 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 even, why do we even need to bring it up? Yeah. Let's just like let that be something else. Yeah. Um, and ignoring something doesn't make it go away. It just makes it sit. Think about uh, family dynamics, right? right? Like how, how because that's what families do, right? Mm -hmm. when, when it's like the 800-pound gorilla, like, oh, we, 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 we don't talk about Uncle Frank. Right. You know what I mean? Like, or, or we don't talk about this issue or that issue. Like, oh, no, no, that happened five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. No, we, we don't speak about that. And there's, it's not necessarily the most healthy way. Mm-hmm to deal with conflict. But I mean, I agree. Look, Hey, look, I, my, my salary is not dependent upon, um, you know, me continuing to make, uh, not to upset people. Right. right. In, in, in my respective church. And I can see how just from a self-preservation aspect that as a minister, you would want, you know, generally you probably want to stay away from landmines. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, there, there's this prophetic impulse. Um, there's, there's the prophetic voice, not, not unlike John the Baptist, to speak into what is happening in our society right now. Yeah. I mean, we are absolutely being bombarded with this. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and not just, you know, we're... You know, I guess our our audience is mostly going to be Christian folks. What what did it say on the on the on the when you when you look up the podcast? It has this next to to Joel, Joel Osteen and and Steve Furtick, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we need better hair, and we need to work out 
yeah. more often. And we need Yeezys, but you actually more, have more, some. More, 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 weight, more weightlifting. Yeah, absolutely. My boys are going to love that drop right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Yeezy drop. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think that is, it's, it's incredibly important that we speak uh, prophetically, not just to Christians, uh, but to non-Christians too, that we're not afraid of that truth. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm being honest, I can say that, you know, I've been driving down the road and I have, you know, a car maybe has cut me off and I saw a feel the burn sticker and I automatically made judgments on that person. And, 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 and if I'm being really honest, I've done that before and that is never okay. Like it's never okay. As much as I would like to say that you can make jokes about almost anything and you can kind of be funny about it, I guess, like there's always a little bit of seriousness in every joke, I think. And it's something that I personally need to work on, but, but I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm not alone in that. I'm pretty confident that, that people have, have seen, you know, political bumper stickers or have heard, you know, someone like overheard someone talking at the table next to them at the restaurant. And you're like, I can't believe they said that, you know? And, and yeah. And, and so how do, how do we, how do we get out of that mindset? And, and I think that it just, it's, it's something you have to be intentional about not doing. Um, you're going to have, you know, plenty of opportunities. So one of the things I tell my youth group is that you are going to have the option to do the wrong thing, but you're also in that same moment going to have the opportunity to do the right thing. And you have to look at it as opportunity. It has to be the thought that this is an opportunity that God is giving me to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing isn't something that's that's crazy. Sometimes the right thing is don't judge the guy, you know, that's sitting in front of me who has, or that's driving in front of me that, that has, you know, a, a political bumper sticker that I don't agree with. Right, or or even the the tree hugging dirt worshiper, uh, right bumper sticker, right? Which one of my my law school professors had, who by the way was the nicest, kindest, most gentle man I've ever met in my life. Just about, um, but yeah, I think that, and you know, as you grow older too. Hopefully, you, I, I wasn't able to do this as an adolescent. Maybe you can teach the, the youth to do this, but right. I, I wasn't able to do this, but I'm starting to be able to do it now, is to recognize that there are times when I just have inappropriate internal reactions. Like, I, I need to check my instant reaction because sometimes mm-hmm. my instant reaction is not the one that should guide whatever I do or say next. Yeah. Now, just the fact that I've had the reaction... So what? That I mean, that could happen for a hundred different reasons. Could be the way that I was raised, my experience, some some you know traumatic thing that happened to me. But you know, to take the time and wait, and and pause, mm-hmm. and then decide, like I said, what what to what to really focus on, what to think, how to act, what to say, what to post, how to respond to mm-hmm. an email or in a conversation. To be able to do that, man, that would just help so much. I I think that that's where the opportunity is. Like you said, to do right or to do wrong. Some of it is just, you know, maybe we're even getting into shades of gray of right or wrong, but man, you're just better off not saying anything, just taking a pause and not saying the thing that you sort of want, want to say Mm -hmm. as your initial instinct. Yeah. And so, you know, looking into the whole idea of this podcast, which is drawing the line and, where where are we going to draw a line or where do we need to erase a line or move a line when it comes to, you know, faith and politics? And, and I think that one of the lines that has been drawn that I think definitely needs to be moved or erased is that it's not talked about in church time. I think that's one of the things that needs to be, needs to be different. I, I think that Maybe there needs to be a line of civility or something somewhere somewhere there or to make sure that you're not alienating people or have a fear of alienating yourself in those in those conversations. But I think that these are topics, like you were saying, that, that, that need to be dealt with. I mean, as I hear all the time from 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 parents that, you know, I want my kids to be informed. I want them to I want them to have an idea of, you know, where biblically this falls and right. Why does that need to stop from the youth room to the auditorium? And I don't think it needs to. I think it needs to just become maybe more in depth. 
Right. And and so I see that line as something that's been there forever, for so long. And I won't say forever, but for a really long time. And I think that definitely needs to change. Yeah. Um, and, and, and obviously that there's, I don't know, do you see another line that maybe that, that could be moved or something that could be different? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think there is a tension here, right? There's a tension here because on the one hand, we don't want to drive people away from us. Sure. Um, and one reason why probably this is take two on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> is because um, the first uh, first time we went through, um, it I think it was a good podcast. Yeah. Um, but I feel like maybe I was a little bit too concerned about by being maybe more transparent and more honest that it might push some people away, mm-hmm. which I think is not a bad instinct for me to have. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, pushing people away unnecessarily um, is, is, is going to be in tension with us also trying to stand up for what we believe would be sort of the, um, the, the intrinsic value of people. Mm-hmm. So an example of that would be Jesus. Jesus seemed to just amazingly weave through this to where he saw the religious leaders that were in places of power. Yeah. And he had no problem pointing out to them, you know, you think about the seven woes in Luke. He had no problem pointing out to them where they were inconsistent, where they were hypocritical, where they were sort of missing the major points and focusing on the minor points. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, notice how he embraced all of the people who the religious leaders were blaming for the reason that the, you know, that the Jewish people have been overrun by these empires, you know, the uh, Rome being the latest empire. So they were the people who were counted out. They were the they were the people who were you know just seen as the dregs of society, the least of these, yeah. right? So Jesus is somehow able to do both. So I, I would say if there's, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not actually sure whether this is drawing a line or, or racing a line. Uh, maybe it's it's pushing a line. I think maybe we need to be able to have a place where we can thoughtfully engage on issues that are important that just because they happen to be political issues doesn't mean they're off limits for conversation. Yeah. So I think maybe that is a little bit of pushing a line or racing the line a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that we need to be careful not to unnecessarily drive people away because of our political rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm saying that as somebody who's who's a pretty political person, but I will tell you when I say I'm a pretty political person. I just mean I'm engaged. I know what's going on and I have thoughts and I have opinions, but I'll tell you this right now. My primary identity will never be related to a political party. Will never be. And, and, and one of the reasons why, um, is, uh, there's a book that I read, uh, 10 or 15 years ago. It was my favorite book ever about the intersection of faith and politics. It's called Jesus for president by Shane Claiborne. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things he does in that book is he just talks about how, you, you know, that, um, first of all, he goes all the way back to looking at how Jesus really purposefully and, and the biblical writers and the gospels do this. They appropriate political language for God's purposes. Mm-hmm. Like Caesar was the son of God. Like sound familiar? Right. Because it's exactly the phrase that they use to describe Jesus. I mean, that was his title. His title was the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so there is all these subtle subversions. So it's it's not like the Bible didn't engage on political issues. Right. It wasn't like there was politics here and the Bible was over here or Jesus was over here. Jesus was... Like, like, as we pointed out, was ultimately executed by the political powers of the day. Right. Right. So I think, you know, we want to find a way to be engaged uh, politically and and to be able to discuss things that happen to have uh, that happen to have political implications, but to do so in the same way we've been talking about discussing whether it's you know racial uh, injustice, we talked about Black Lives Matter last week, yeah. or, or some of these other topics we're going to be talking about, they're going to be sensitive topics. Yeah, no, definitely, and um, absolutely, as as I 
apparently say too much according to my wife. Um, disclaimer, both of our... Well, my wife has a Gmail account. I think you said that your wife has a Gmail account. Right. Oh, yeah, she definitely so, does. So that is something that was pointed out um, furiously. We've got to correct the record with respect to our wives or yes. we're in massive trouble. Yes, so they... And, and apparently my wife also says lawyer and I got that wrong. So, yeah... I'm lucky I'm alive. Um, so as we start to wrap up, I, 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 have, I only have one more line that I want to draw and I want to say that this line is permanent. And I, and, I'm not, and I will probably very rarely ever say that. Yeah. But, and, and, and you can, and feel free to disagree, but I'm going to use the Bible. So um, let's do it. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to draw the line on where you vote, how you vote. And, and yeah, maybe that's one of like, should be like the teaser for the, for the episode or whatever. Oh, we're going to tell you how to vote later. Um, but not really, um, tune out, stay till the end. But Isaiah chapter one, verse 17, I think tells you exactly how to vote. And it says, learn to do right and seek justice. Defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Um, Vote for justice, always, and I don't and 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 that maybe maybe that sounds so simple because it's it's just a few words, but justice is powerful and is necessary, and I know that. Well, I say I know. I hope that our both political parties that we have in the United States are seeking justice. They're going they 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 they're going to they're going to go about doing it differently. But common ground should be justice, should be righteousness. And that isn't that those the justice part isn't even necessarily like a a a Christian thing, right? Like it doesn't have to necessarily be overtly Christian. But that doesn't mean that it's not right. I mean, like that doesn't mean that, like, as they're seeking justice, that's there. There isn't God in that, right? Um, it may not be. It may not be it may seemingly be that way, but that doesn't mean that He's there. And so, as you vote, and do vote, please vote. It's important. Um, I think you know, and that's, that's my opinion. I'll say that's my opinion, but I I personally think that it's important. But vote for justice. That's what the Bible is asking you to do, and 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 maybe maybe that's me overstepping bounds, but I I I do personally think that that's a permanent line. And Brad, you're you're smiling half heartedly, or maybe you're actually smiling, or maybe no, you're that's really... gr- I think that's good. I think that you know the the corollary to that is to live that out. Right. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, however important, you know, voting may be, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you think that voting is just kind of a lost cause, um, that either way you, you need to live that out. Like yeah. we, we need to, we need to live and demonstrate, um, uh, demonstrate to other people that, you know, this is a consistent theme we keep coming back to, but that other people, even people who disagree with you, that they have worth, Right, they have great worth, yeah. and and that they're they're entitled to justice. I mean, I think the the people who are most in jeopardy of of not um, you know having justice are the people who can't uh, you know afford the lawyer lawyers <laughs> right <laughs> attorneys right <laughs> right. I mean, when you go, the, the, don't want to take us on a complete exit ramp, but when you you watch like the. Oh, it's horrible. The Netflix documentary on, on Epstein right now, and you see what money was able to do, right. how long justice was denied yeah. because of the resources yeah. that he brought to bear. Billions and millions and millions of dollars and living, you know, down in, you know, West Palm Beach and had all these, you know, multimillionaires living all around him. 
Um, but on the other hand of the spe- so th- those aren't the kind of people that you need to stand up for because they're, they are able to make sure right. that they have justice, which at the end doesn't really looking, look, end up looking a whole lot like justice, but it's the people who can't do that. And those are the people that are in those verses, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they call out the orphan yeah. and the widow. Mm-hmm. It's because there are folks that need help. They need assistance. And let's go all the way back to the beginning of what is politics. It's how we organized our shared lives together. Mm -hmm. How, Roman, are we going to organize our shared lives together? Are we going to organize it in such a way in that people like me and you stay protected and we get our justice? Mm -hmm. Or are we also going to look after the people who are not in the same life situations that we are? The people who who are poor, who, who can't take care of themselves, how do we make sure that those people receive justice too? And again, with our votes, yes, but not just with our votes, in our lives. Yeah, definitely. What can we do in the way that we live and the decisions that we make and the way we use our resources? How can we do that? Um, so, I mean, that ends up kind of turning the corner and going back to personal responsibility. Um, but but you can hopefully, you know, you've been able to tell how they're, they really are closely interlinked. This faith in politics is really kind of Im- impossible to completely pull them apart. Right. Right. And yeah. I notice I didn't say that faith and a political party are completely yeah. interlinked. Right. Yeah. I said that that faith and how we govern and organize our shared lives together mm-hmm. are inextricably linked. Yeah. It's, it's like a fine line mm-hmm. drawing the line. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's, man. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't need to go for that one, but I did. Um, That's right. It is. It's a <laughs> distinction because those things are very close. Yeah. Those things are very close. What I was talking about that I think was like maybe not the right way to just sort of make an assumption that one political party has a monopoly on truth and that everything, you know, religiously or otherwise that, that they say is is the absolute truth that that's different than saying no but how we organized our shared lives together yes it's important that our faith absolutely impacts all the decisions we make in that area just like the decision of whether to put the floodlights on your house and keep your neighbors awake at night right Mm -hmm. like your faith should should read into that decision as to whether you do that, whether you've got the right to do it or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and don't get caught up in miracle whip, you know, I mean like, I'm, we're going to bring it back to every single reference every time. <laughs> that's the plan of that's the recap. That's why you listen to us. Um, it's, you know, don't get caught up in the miracle whip. Right. Um, it may be tangy, but just, it may be gross, but you're missing out on all those lunches, all that lunch conversation, dinner and salsa might've been great, but imagine what you could have experienced yeah, at lunchtime. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and you know, it, it's, it, I mean, we need to think about what's important to God and, 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 and not necessarily what's in, not what just is important to me because I get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, yet again, it's just trying to figure out where priority, where identity lies, where value lies. And, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I mean, it's, it's, it's important because I think that's at, that is, that's the core of, of where we're, of where, of where we're trying. This our foundation. What we're trying to lay here is, is that where you find your identity, where you find value, not only in yourself, but other people is, is going to greatly determine how you go about, you know, being, political serving your community you know and 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 that's important to understand just how you operate in the world yeah. i'll say one last thing i know we got a running out of time here sure. i want to say one last thing i'm sure that probably all of us at one time or the, another have had a situation where they interacted with somebody maybe it was kind of like a stranger or somebody new mm-hmm. that you just really sort of clicked with or they were really not or just something about it. you just had a great conversation and then at some point in the conversation they said something that alerted you that they were you know quote unquote on the other team right mm-hmm. and i don't even mean just politically but that somehow some way you found out that they were of a different, you know, r- religious persuasion or, or something, different political party, you name it. 
I, I want you to to think back to that moment because that's happened to me over my my life, and I just you know I guess what I hope for us is that we can be people where that happens less, mm-hmm. where we don't instantly feel a distance from people just because they say something or do something that's slightly different from where. Um, you know, our opinions lie or our, uh, our, where we've sort of fashioned our identity. Mm-hmm. Because I think if we, can, if we can break down those barriers, we will have much better opportunities to connect with people, people that we would have never imagined that we could build bridges to. Absolutely. Well, this was fun. I, even, even though it was take two, I enjoyed it. Um, Me too. It was, it was, not crazy different, but it was a little bit different. And, and I think in a good way. And, and so, um, as we think about next week, um, we're talking about scripture and interpretation of scripture and how we, how we go about, you know, really diving into that for, for, for each of us and, and, and maybe, you know, the, the church as a whole, just through our experiences. So we hope that you, um, you, you enjoyed your time with us today. And we also hope that you join us, uh, for next week's episode. Thank you so much and have a blessed day. 